Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Health Tech Edge, where we talk about the latest topics in healthcare technology with industry experts. I'm your host, Zoe Jacobs. Joining us today is our weekly panelist, Raheel Redawala, Chief Strategy Officer at Productive Edge. And our featured guest today is Amy Burke. She's an advanced practice nurse and director of population health at Microsoft. Thanks so much for joining us, Amy. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today. Morning, Amy. Morning. Today, we're going to talk about patient data, interoperability, and value-based care. So, Amy, you've been on several sides of healthcare as a practicing nurse, working in policy and advocacy, consulting, and education. Can you tell us about the major changes you've seen mostly towards value-based care? Yeah, thank you for that question. I think it's a very important one. Uh, Value-based care has been around for some time. Um, We have seen the involvement of care delivery models all the way back from patient-centered medical homes, the accountable care organizations, and now we're into full uh, value-based care arrangements, partnerships between providers and payers and the way in which they facilitate care coordination, exchange data uh, to meet quality measures uh, for accountability in outcomes, um, and then that reimbursement being aligned. I think what's most notable today is that we're seeing more partnerships between payers and providers than we've seen before in the past. We see these large health systems that are entering into the payer market and vice versa. We see payers that are becoming more into the provider market where the lines are becoming blurred. And I don't even mean to say blurred, but I think the lines are becoming more uh, more um, integrated, if you will, right? Healthcare is becoming more integrated, not as fragmented. Um, so we can get that continued experience, which I think value-based care tries to create. But more importantly, and also to note that value-based care really does try to optimize health outcomes while reducing costs, the, the total cost of care. Yeah, good, great points, uh, Amy. I absolutely agree with you. I think there's a tremendous uh, momentum across the healthcare sector uh, in doing in really getting that integration uh, conducted, whether it might be you know vertical integration happening across the industry, whether it's horizontal integration, uh, where you know uh, payers are thinking about how best they can contribute to or, towards the care delivery side, or it might be uh, providers who are thinking about the holistic journey of the patient and focusing on certain populations to really make sure that they're able to deliver on the quality metrics and the agreements that uh, they've they've signed up for in many regards uh, with uh, with various payers. Uh, so very uh, it's very exciting to see that uh, you know this value-based care generally is progressing towards becoming a scalable program and that various uh, organizations and you know many many digital disruptors are participating in in trying to prove models that uh, that actually work. Absolutely. And we even see it to the extent that many of our home care um, constituents out there, entities, if you will, are becoming more value-based as well. Um, We think about the evolution of home care. I think it's very important in that you know, healthcare is no longer within the four walls of a hospital setting. Um, Healthcare is becoming more local. It's becoming more um, at the point of care in the home, as I said. And these home care models, anywhere from you know, traditional home care to comprehensive care management in the home are now starting to take risk. And that's really important, hence the accountability factor in the provision of outcomes. Well, um, I'm curious as to your thoughts on the, you know, the area of population health and value-based care. Uh, how how are they intersecting and, and what are the advancements in 
uh, in gaps that may exist in understanding of uh, from a, just uh, things like social determinants of health or uh, just overall population health to to really sign up for the kind of agreements and contracts that providers may need to. Uh, just curious, how you how do you think about that? Yeah, population health is a large domain, is a framework for how we deliver healthcare today. Um, and one thing, one commonality I think of population health and value-based care is that it lies in the data. Value-based care um, is optimally, uh, we speak of it in terms of legislation, we think about it in terms of de care delivery, we think about it in terms of uh, the financial components that's aligned, the reimbursement aligned to quality, right? Um, population health then is the framework in how we deliver the care, and that is all grounded in the data. Um, so how is it that data can be optimally used in a way and applied in a way that we can understand our populations, um, how we then can evaluate on outcomes of those populations, and better yet then how we can course correct interventions to meet the needs of those populations. Um, with that said then, it's a precursor in how we think about meeting the quality outcomes, the clinical outcomes necessary to advance on reimbursement. And that's exactly where value-based care is aligned. Hence, the alignment of quality and reimbursement, um, right? And closing gaps in care, we talk about that a lot, right? How can we better close gaps in care so we can then meet quality outcomes? And when I say quality, I mean clinical, social, behavioral health outcomes, right? Um, and reimburse the, uh, the, the provider um, based on the accountability of those outcomes met. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, sorry. Well, I, I was just going to ask um, if you can give us another maybe example of of data interoperability and, and how you've seen that change. Well, data interoperability has been along again for a very long time. I remember earlier in my career working with the ONC on the standards and interoperability framework in which tried to advance the NIN, the National Healthcare Infrastructure Network. Um, that interoperability initiative has been um, uh, matured, if you will, to a new um, a new generation of interoperability, and hence we think about TEFCA, um, TEFCA being the regional health infrastructure networks that are um, now evolving across the country in alignment with the ONC's policy initiatives. So um, the grounding of interoperability is ever so important, as it always has been since 2010 and the legislation of the Affordable Care Act. But we see now an involvement of um, the TEFCO with even more infrastructure built out, more commitment to interoperability. And this then we're seeing in alignment with our payers and our providers who are actually acting upon um, to advance interoperability in their own um, practice. Amy, how, how do, uh, it's, it'd be interesting to, to hear your uh, experience working with, uh, you know, uh, uh, companies across the continuum, whether it might be payers or providers or specialized accountable care organizations, et cetera, who's, who's actually doing this really well uh, and, and what's driving, uh, what's driving their ability to, to actually do this well and who might, you know, where are the areas that some organizations are struggling with and what could they be doing to, to participate broadly in this value-based care? I think that um, the customers in whom I work with, each and every one of them are on their own value-based care journey, right? And they're at different points in that journey. There are some that are leaders um, and those that are catching up. Um, but at, at some point, I do believe that 
payers and providers are going to have to get on the journey if they're not already, and that this is the way forward in healthcare. Um, I would say that Humana is very much a leader in this space, um, and it is commitment of the CEO that they continue on the journey of value-based care. Um, I think that there are those um, healthcare organizations that are both payers and providers that are leaders in value-based care as well, because they have the organizational infrastructure in that the healthcare is very integrated between the payer and provider under that one umbrella. Um, you know, those two, um, such as UPMC, the high marks of the world, um, Kaiser Permanente, where there's very robust intermountain healthcare, very robust infrastructure from an organizational perspective, but also from a technology perspective, because it is dependent upon interoperability and data to advance on value-based care objectives and, and those further or pardon me, those broader initiatives. Um, where there is struggle and lag um, are most likely smaller regional healthcare systems. Um, I would even say some of the private healthcare systems, um, not as much of progressive towards value-based care. Um, for for various reasons, there's no interest, um, you know, that it doesn't align with their mission. Um, it is, um, they don't have the infrastructure, um, they don't have the funding. Um, so those are uh, various uh, reasons as to why value-based care initiatives might not be advancing um, as compared to other leaders in the industry. Well, as you said, I think it's really important for, you know, even mid-size and smaller health systems to participate. Um, I think there's, you know, uh, even mid-size uh, health systems have their own population health management programs, their intervention strategies. You know, they have, uh, you know, they have, this, you know, largely desire to think about how best they can contribute towards the outcomes and how value-based care could be a framework through which they do that. Uh, in in our experience, you know, there's also a consideration, as you said, on infrastructure and ability to execute and the funding to do so. But there's also another element, which is, you know, many health, many smaller and mid-sized health systems aren't necessarily uh, investing in massive development organizations, development teams. You know, they right. tend more uh, focused on, you know, can we get platforms and systems that we're healthcare oriented that we can just plug and go and plug in, you know, plug and play them. Uh, and in, in many respects, there's a need to uh, have those systems and platforms innovate uh, towards value-based care. Uh, and and that, that may drive the adoption even, even broader. I wonder, uh, you know, your thoughts on, on that and uh, specifically around Epic and, and how, uh, and, and others, there, there's other EHRs as well. Uh, how, what is the role of that, of those organizations and how can they, how are they contributing towards the momentum and scale? Yeah, so, um, you know, these mid-sized organizations, um, they may or may not use Epic. If they don't use Epic, they're using Cerner, Meditech, Allscripts, right? right? Um, I will say Epic is leading the charge in that their Epic Care Anywhere platform is really extending the possibilities for uh, data exchange um, between those providers that have Epic with payers that have Epic, right? So there is that continuity of uh, the provision for value-based care, um, population health, et cetera. Um, and providers are probably following suit because of the Epic trajectory around um, exchanging data and the way in which Epic is leaning towards the payer-provider relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think there's... Uh... 
Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, not just in, you know from an, not just from an interoperability, but also the ability to actually be proficient at, at consuming insights and being able to act on those insights. There's a change management and organizational you know uh, you know sort of change there to be able to manage you know the the ability to actually have, we have all these insights that we never had before. Uh, what do we do with them? How do we actually change our workflows that may that may result from you know delivering on the outcomes that that we we would you know we would need to drive towards. That's exactly right. Um, you know, because there is so much data that's out there, um, and so many insights that can be gleaned from that data. But how do we, how do we make use of that data? How do we understand that data better? Um, and I think that there is a gap in that. Right? We are expecting providers, both nurses and physicians, to use data in a way that they hadn't ever used it before. Um, so there's a learning curve, and that's an opportunity. Um, whether it be change management, right, as we think about, you know, the education component as related to data, um, but also then really seeking to um, act on that data for uh, understanding our members and delivering care. Yes. Speaking of which, Amy, can you tell us a little bit more about your work at Microsoft specifically? Certainly. Um, so as Director of Population Health, um, I really try to advocate for population health initiatives across both payers and providers and the customers in whom we work with. Um, so working with customers to really understand their needs around population health and value-based care initiatives, um, and then being able to coordinate and collaborate um, to really develop a strategy that's going to suit them as they advance their value-based care initiatives, population health um, initiatives. So, and, and then, of course, thinking how Microsoft solutions can optimize their population health value-based care journeys. Microsoft's, of, of course, um, innovating significantly in just this area. I mean, over the last, just even the last two to three years, the amount of innovation uh, across the, you know, uh, not just the Azure uh, space in healthcare, but also the, the dynamics, uh, the dynamics side, as well as the the clinical side with uh, you know with Microsoft Teams and, and various there's a lot of innovation that has happened. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, how how you think about the holistic innovation from Microsoft and how should how should both payers and mid-sized providers, for example, think about how best they can leverage the investments Microsoft's making. No, thank you for that question. And you know, I've been with Microsoft now a little over two years. And when I came to Microsoft, I looked at Microsoft's cloud for healthcare and I thought, wow, this optimizes population health in every single way. Um, as I said at the very beginning, population health, value-based care is grounded in data. Microsoft Cloud for Healthcare is grounded in the data. The data lives on this integrated, agile, scalable platform, right? Um, which then activates the various scenarios that we see eliminated around this wheel of goodness, if you will. Um, so, as we think about the capabilities that enable better experience, better insights, and better care, grounded in the data, and this aligns to the proposition of population health and value-based care. We think about care team collaboration, care coordination, as you had said, with Microsoft Teams, how we can facilitate data exchange for interoperability, uh, using interoperability to extenuate then on value-based care initiatives and better care coordination. We think about how we can use data to inform ourselves as practitioners about the members, patients, and whom we care for so we can better understand their needs, right? But also to evaluate on outcomes and course correct where need be as we think about interventions and program design, et cetera. And then we think about the capabilities as aligned to 
how we better engage with our patients and our member populations. And I say patients in the in the um, provider space and members in the payer space, um, individuals, shall we say, how we better engage individuals in their healthcare, right? Um, whether it be by virtual, um, whether it be omni-channel engagement, and being more prescriptive and personalized in our care delivery overall, I think is very important. And then might I say, as we think about value-based care, and specifically around the quality and reimbursement schemas, how can we be more predictive in those modeling of contracts, more accurate around those modeling of contracts? Because I think oftentimes one of the barriers for value-based care, especially among providers, is that you know they're thinking that they're not being reimbursed appropriately, accurately, if you will, right? So how can we leverage data and analytics and advanced analytics to really hone in on the accuracy of reimbursement? I agree, Amy. I think that one of the biggest areas of opportunity uh, is to work and help uh, you know providers to get a better handle on the insights around the financial modeling and the financial outcomes, so that they're well armed with facts and are yes. you know if you extend that to more predictive capabilities, that's when you're really getting you know really you're honing in the right population where you can focus on you're hearing the right clinical workflows that you can you can uh, you can optimize and there's Tons of opportunity there. I'm, I'm also curious the the relationship Microsoft has with the EHR organization, the EHRs, and how are how how are they plugging into this circle of goodness? As thank you. Yeah. So um, Epic is on Azure. Um, so that then um, is a capability in which the cloud being on Azure it it extends the capabilities of being able to ingest data from various sources beyond Epic as I mentioned before, right? Remote patient monitoring, uh, social data as we need it, um, you know, because having that whole person view of our member and patients becomes so very important so we can really understand holistically our patient populations and member populations and deliver holistically the needs of our patient populations and member populations. Um, that then also um, propagates the notion that better reporting, right? Um, we have all this data, we're better able to use Microsoft's robust reporting capabilities um, as we think about data and analytics and the evaluation of outcomes, I would say also um, is a value proposition, as well as uh, facilitating on interoperability with providers and payers, um, the exchange of data between them. So I think that you know uh, proves our relationship with Epic and one um, that serves well for both payers and providers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we just have time for one more question. Um, Amy, how would you maybe summarize how healthcare companies can prepare to be more interoperable? How can they set themselves up for success? Yeah, I think it first starts with having governance in place and making those key decisions and having a vision and mission in mind um, as they proceed with their value-based care initiatives or journey, if you will. Um, you know, having the right people at the table, including physicians um, and nurses that have a play in care um, becomes extremely important. Having those champions, um, it's really a change management um, initiative. Um, and then having proper funding um, and certaining that uh, the appropriate quality measures are identified, um, the appropriate value-based schemas, reimbursement schemas are identified and documented. Um, so that huge change management component, the education, the workflow adaption. Um, and then of course, as we think about value-based care, the infrastructure, 
It's all dependent on the data and the proper infrastructure in terms of interoperability to advance on the proposition of value-based care. That's awesome. Thank you so much for summarizing that for us. Uh, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for talking with us, Amy. It was great to have you on. Thank you for joining us for HEAL. Next time, we're going to talk to Dr. Arif Nazir. He's the Chief Medical Officer at Bright Spring Health. So be sure to check, out, check us out next Friday, February 3rd. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on the Health Tech Edge. Thank you so much.